All right. So I, I know you see the little paper thing we got going up here. Um, I am not an artist. And so let's just, let's just get it out there in the open to begin with. Anything I draw on here is open to critique. Just critique it to the person next to you, not me, because it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good, but we need to show some visualization. So when I do draw on there, just kind of nod your head like, yeah, that was a really good drawing, and just make me feel good from up here, okay? Today is week two of Breaking Free, a study in Galatians. We're looking at the New Testament book of Galatians, and we're going to be walking through it over the next couple weeks, most of the way actually through the rest of the summer, and asking God, what do you have for us in this book of the Bible? Now, last week, Pastor Jason talked about how Galatians moves us from the law to freedom. That because of grace, we have freedom. Now, today, I would love to say that I'm diving right into Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. But we have one more week of an introduction before we actually jump right into and start unpacking Galatians. Because last week, Pastor Jason introduced the theme of Galatians, but today I want to introduce and talk about the author of Galatians, the man who, who wrote this book. And so today we're going to speak, spend a little bit of time we're unpacking who the Apostle Paul is today to us and was at that time. See, to know the Apostle Paul is to know that his journey took him from law to freedom. Because of grace. To know the Apostle Paul is to know that he went from someone who was, who was really knowledgeable, who was very knowing, and moved to a place of knowing fully what God had for him. But a little bit, of that, a little bit more of that in the future. Today, what we really want to unpack, and actually I'm going to give it to you right up front here. You know, a lot of times you have to wait to the very end of a, of a show or even the end of a sermon sometimes to find out, like, what's the main point? What are we really driving for? What do we want to walk away from today? I'm going to give it to you right up front. It's the fact that if this man, the Apostle Paul that we're going to talk about today, the author of the New Testament book, Galatians, can experience true freedom, then there is hope for literally everyone. And that doesn't mean, like, everyone but me. If you're like me, sometimes I can go, oh, yeah, that's for everyone, but not me. I know there's a lot of people in, in church today, in our community today, that would look and go, yeah, you know, everyone's doing this, except for me. I want you to understand that if God can change the Apostle Paul, he can change anybody. And so I want you guys all join with me today. I want you to take your finger, okay, and, and poke yourself, I don't care where, okay, and say, me, okay? God can change me. Everybody say, it. me. Okay, now don't be looking at your neighbor when you're saying that, okay? If God can change the Apostle Paul, God can change me. See, Paul experienced the grace from God, and he was never the same. Many of us here today may be looking going, you know what? I I've experienced the grace of God, and I know that I've never been the same since I first experienced that. Many of us are sitting here today and go, you know, I've experienced the grace of God, but man, I know God's got more for me. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, this grace from God thing, it sounds interesting. I don't have a clue what that means. I don't understand freedom that God has for me. But boy, I'm here on Sunday morning, I'm listening, and I'm open to what God may have for me. So before we dig into Galatians next week and unpack the freedom through God's grace that is laid out in the book of Galatians, we need to know a little bit more about Paul. So I keep talking about today 
keep talking about Paul. But in reality, he's also known as Saul. Okay, this guy was so cool. He had two names. Now, a lot of people look at this and we understand that he was a man with, with two names, but that was because he used to be called Saul, but now he was called Paul. And that's not the truth. The truth is, from the very beginning, when he was born into a Jewish family, also a Roman citizen living in Israel, he had two names. He had his Jewish name, Saul. He had his Roman name, Paul. And so, depending on where he was at in the city, depending on who he was talking to, depended on the name that he was called. So, in the New Testament, when he was hanging out with his Jewish buddies, they called him Saul. When he was in a mostly Roman arena, they called him by his Greek name, Paul. So when he was hanging out with the Gentiles, which honestly is almost everyone here, because a Gentile is a person who is not Jewish. So if you have any kind of Jewish roots, you know, consider yourself lucky. But if you don't, you're like me, and you're what the Bible calls a Gentile. And Paul was a person who spent a lot of time with the Gentiles, but not in the beginning. See, the Apostle Paul did not have a name change. He was always Saul and always Paul, but he spent the first good portion of his life hanging out with just the best of the best Jews. And so often he was called Saul. But then Paul experienced a life-transforming experience. Paul had what we would call maybe a, a conversion experience. He met the one true God and was never the same. He was changed from being a man about law to a man that was all about grace. He transformed from a man who was really knowledgeable, who was very knowing, to a man who was knowing fully. And today we're going to look at that a little bit more. So when you read the New Testament and you see that he's called Paul over and over and over again, it's because he was reaching a people who were mostly Gentiles, who were not Jews, but that was only because of the conversion experience, because of the change that he had in his life. So, to understand the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, we're going to do a timeline, okay? And so this is where we're going to draw here. And again, I said, don't laugh, okay? So we're going to draw on here. And we're going to walk through what the Apostle Paul's life looked like from starting at a very young age. Now, I keep saying about this book of Galatians we're going to unpack next week. Let me get you on something secret. It really wasn't originally a book. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the people of Galatia. And so next week when we dive in to the book of Galatians, remember, and have this in the back of your mind, that it's actually a letter that was written to a bunch of, of Christians in the area of Galatia. We, we would call it Turkey today. And it was one of the areas that Paul had visited on his missionary journeys. See, Paul, when he went through this radical change, he wanted to tell everybody about it. Matter of fact, if you look in your connection guide, there's a, there's a little link in there to a map. And you can see exactly the areas that Paul visited in his life and the people that he interacted with. And so that can give you an idea later on. Please check that out. Give you an idea of where he started and then where he moved to. But Saul, as a little boy was just like any other Jewish little boy. Between the ages of 6 and 10, 
every Jewish boy memorized the Torah. Okay, that means they put the Torah into their brain. They memorized it. Now, what's the Torah, you ask? The first five books of what we call the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Six to ten-year-olds memorized it. Now, many of you are sitting here going, man, I'm having a hard time doing this, the Bible memory plan that Northridge is putting out, you know, and memorizing like one or two verses every single week. And these six to ten-year-old boys put the entire Torah inside their brain by age 10. And then, at about age 12, their life path was chosen for them. And so we've got Saul here, okay? By this time, he's kind of a, kind of a punky 12-year-old. You know, he's got some spiky hair. His life path can go one of two ways. Every Jewish boy experienced this. First way, he can follow in dad's trade. So whatever your dad did, you, if your dad was a plumber, you became a plumber. If your dad was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. If your dad made tents, you made tents. But the best of the best boys who not only memorized the Torah but understood the Torah, they got to go and study to be a rabbi. There was no better job. There was no better position to be in than to study to be a rabbi, a teacher of God's word, an instructor of God's law. Well, Paul, at age 12, was chosen, or Saul, at age 12, was chosen for this life. He actually traveled to Jerusalem and studied under the, a rabbi named Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was a, a famous Pharisee. Um, he basically went to school. It's like this. When, when, when we graduate high school, you know, s- some, some people go into um, a trade and start working. Some go to, you know, to a college. And then other people, you know, go to like Harvard, you know, like Ivy League. Saul went to study under the Ivy League of rabbis, the best of the best. And not only that, but in the, the thought pattern, in the major Jewish school of thought of the Pharisees, And the definition of the Pharisees would be they had a rigid adherence to the letter of the law in Scripture. When they read the law of Scripture, they followed it to a T. The Pharisees, the rabbi that Saul was becoming, studying to be, was not someone who just understood God's law and and taught it. This was someone who rigidly followed it right down to the very last letter. And so here's Saul for the next 15 years studying to be the best of the best rabbis. Needless to say, this man was well-educated. You know, another way I like to put it, if they had really cool tattoos back then, he would have had God's law tattooed right on his butt. That That would have been Saul at this time. And so he studies under Gamaliel for about 15 years. The Old Testament scriptures were his expertise. And so Saul, now a a man, well-trained, possibly at this time starting to be a rabbi who was instructing other 12-year-old boys who were the best of the best of their class, he hears about this ruckus going on in, in, in the temple every single week. These these group of people called followers of the way were talking about this this man 
named Jesus Christ, and they were calling him the Messiah. Remember, Paul, or Saul, well-educated. Saul, rabbi of all rabbis, Pharisee of all Pharisees, hears this, and he begins to look into this group, this sect, these people who are claiming that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, Paul, in his mind, is thinking to himself, okay, I'm smart. Um, This guy named Jesus, yeah, he's dead. My boss, Caiaphas, the high priest, he killed him. And now these people are going, because Jesus was killed, it's through his sacrifice that sins can be forgiven? Whoa. These followers of the way are way off the beaten path. They obviously don't know the law because the law says that only God can forgive. And only, only sacrifices at the temple can even possibly bring God's mercy and forgiveness. And so the fact that this man Jesus could claim to forgive sins, the fact that these, these followers of the way could claim to be believers of the Son of God was absolutely preposterous. Besides, this guy was dead. Paul's boss, Caiaphas, had made sure of it. So the next thing we know is that Paul, an older punk, is found in Acts 7 and 8. In Acts 7 and 8, we meet a guy named Stephen who was a follower of the way. He was happy. He loved Jesus. And we see that Paul in Acts 7 and 8 oversees his stoning. So a bunch of people basically threw rocks all over him, and then he was dead. And we see Saul. We see this man, this rabbi of rabbis, this amazing teacher of the law overseeing the death of this follower of the way. Now in Acts 9, Saul travels to his boss, the high priest, Caiaphas, and asks for permission to go around the area and arrest any of these these Jews, like Stephen here, who was talking and telling people that there's forgiveness beyond temple sacrifices. That this man named Jesus, who is dead, could truly forgive your sins if you would just believe in him. And so Saul asks Caiaphas for permission to go out and either kill or arrest these believing in Jesus Jews. Acts 9, verses 1 and 2 says this. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he could bring them bound back to Jerusalem. See, Saul at this time was not just threatening people. He was actually killing, carrying out these murderous threats by putting action behind his words. Needless to say, this... Saul guy? He's a bad dude. He was not a fan of what we today would call 
Christians or followers of Christ. And so Saul gets permission from his boss to head to Damascus. Now, I don't know why Damascus, but he loads up a donkey. All I can figure is maybe there was a high concentration of Jews who had started following and believing in Jesus in Damascus, because that's the first place he picks. And so Paul gets on his little donkey here, okay, and he starts riding towards Damascus, bent on bringing anyone he possibly could who was offending the law, who was against the Torah back and thrown into prison or, easier yet, just killed. But it's on this road, it's on this bumpy dirt road to Damascus that Paul's, that Saul's life is changed forever. See, Saul's story, I've already told you, this is the same guy who wrote all about freedom and about how God's grace brings freedom in the book of Galatians. And I don't know about you, but if you were paying attention to this whole awesome drawings I've been doing, I have not seen one bit of grace or freedom in this man's life. Matter of fact, he's carrying a letter that basically says he can do whatever he wants to someone who would claim to believe in Jesus. How are these guys the same? I'd answer you with this statement. Because the power of God's grace through Jesus brings freedom and life-altering change to anyone. There's no exemptions. There's not one person that could say, but not me. God can't impact me. Jesus, I'm too far gone to be saved, to be set free, and to experience your grace. Paul's life is a testimony that no one is too far gone for him. If God can change and use a man like Saul, he can change and use a man like Dave, a woman like Wendy, a man like Ben, even a man like me. So, Saul travels from Acts 7 and 8 here to Acts 9, about right there. And Acts 9 is where it all goes down. I'm not going to read it for you. It's, I include it in the connection guide. Matter of fact, when you get home today, take some time and read the story of Acts 9. Because Saul has an encounter with Jesus that is like no other. And during that time, Saul is kicked off his donkey and is blinded. I'll let you read more about how that happens. But this blindness, it happens for, for only three days. So he's physically blind. He physically can't see for three days. But it has an eternal effect on Saul's life. Because after three days, his sight is restored. But that, that blindedness that he experienced was more of a parable than it was a punishment. It was more of a, of a story of what and why he's experienced the ways and things he's experienced than the punishment that came from being totally against what God was trying to do. See, his physical, his physical blindness showed Saul that even though he was the ultimate Jew, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, who studied under the, the best teacher at that time, he was really spiritually bankrupt and blinded 
to who God really is. And so after this meeting of Acts 9 right here, where he experienced the love and the saving grace of Jesus, Paul, probably still with a, you know, punk haircut here, he begins telling anyone and everyone who will listen. I mean, people, thousands of people. Paul is running up to random people he doesn't know, telling them about his story. But here's one problem. Everybody knew, both Romans and Jews, they knew about Saul, or they knew about Paul. They knew about this guy. He was a bad dude. He was a strict Pharisee, an adherent to the law. And all of a sudden, now he's teaching about the very things that he was throwing people into prison for. Needless to say, most people that were listening to him right after his conversion experience in Acts 9 were a little scared, a little skeptical. I don't know about you, but if someone's out to kill me for what I believe in, and then all of a sudden he's coming up to me and he's talking about this amazing stuff, the stuff that I believe in, and he's like, yeah, 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 no, I'm one of you now. I'm a little skeptical. Okay, I'm going, yeah, 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 we'll see about that. And so Saul realizes this. He realizes that, you know what, he needs maybe a little bit more training. He's had 15 years of training in the law of God, but he needs some time understanding what the grace of God really looks like. Even though he had an experience, he also knew that he needed to know about it. And so the Bible tells us that he takes three years in Arabia to discover Jesus through revelation. And so if you look at Galatians 1, 11 and 12, as Paul's writing to the Galatians, he writes this. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And so after three years of having grace and freedom revealed to him by Jesus, he embarks on his first missionary journey. And so that first missionary journey, he kind of goes through what we would call modern-day Turkey, or in the Bible when we read about it, the area of Galatia. He goes and spends a bunch of time visiting city after city after city, telling people about Jesus. And not only that, but afterwards, he goes on a second missionary journey, and he ventures further out into the Roman Empire. And at this point, this is all Roman Empire. There's not hardly any Jews up in this area. And so he's being called Paul. And so when you read the New Testament and you're always hearing about the Apostle Paul and you really don't hear the word or the name Saul anymore, it's because he's hanging out with non-Jews, which if you know anything about Jewish history, that's like a strict no-no for Pharisees. This is how radically Saul's life had been changed, that he spent not one missionary journey traveling around the area of Turkey or Galatia, not even two missionary journeys where he ventured out to like the area of, of Greece and, and, uh, and, and Malta. But he went on three missionary journeys, went all the way out and actually ventured into what now we would call, wow, Italy. Huh, I can spell. Which we would call Italy and Sicily area. Getting almost to, to Rome to tell even the highly educated ruling people of that time in Rome about the saving grace and freedom through Jesus. See, Saul had changed. He traveled and told people about his change so that others would know that there's freedom, that 
God's fulfillment of the law through the sacrifice of Jesus did two things. It took him from being all about the law to being all about the grace. His, his conversion, his conversion was about saying, hey, I may have been all about the law, but God has shown me there's so much more through his grace. But not only that, Paul would have admitted that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Saul was really knowledgeable about God. But through this life-changing experience, he now not only knew about God, but he knew about God fully. He went from law to grace, from knowing to knowing fully. And I pray that we would seek to be on the same journey. That we wouldn't be happy with just law and knowing. That we would want to be about grace and knowing fully. See, Saul's conversion, it changed everything. Saul would have been the best rabbi of his time. Saul would have been the Gamaliel of the next generation. But instead, we have 13 of the 27 New Testament books because the Apostle Paul decided to go on three missionary journeys. He couldn't keep the love, the grace, and the freedom that Jesus brought to himself. Without Saul's conversion, Christianity today would be just like the Dead Sea Scrolls community. Dead. Only recently to have been discovered. But instead, we see 2,000 years of glorious history and grace being spread all throughout the planet. Saul's conversion was a turning point for people who knew God and didn't know God to being about people who knew God fully. To experience God's freedom through the grace of the gospel, the reason that Jesus came to live among us in the first place. To convert like Paul did means to move from a self-centered independence. See, if you're going to be really good at following the letter of the law, you've also got to be really dependent on yourself. You've got to be really hard on yourself, because if you're going to be a, a true law person, you've got to know it inside and out, and you've got to live it, and you've got to breathe it. And Saul was that. But then he realized that is, that is small thinking. That's knowing a lot about God, but not knowing God fully. See, Saul transitioned to being someone who lives in freedom, who's dependent not on himself, but on God's word. And then he became interdependent with the other followers of the way, or what we would call Christians or Christ followers. And the same is true for you and me today. You can sit here, and you can be just like Saul, a law-abiding, I know the letter of the law of what needs to happen, and totally miss out on God's grace. You can be someone who knows a lot about God and totally miss out on knowing God fully. When you see someone, maybe in your family, maybe at work, uh, maybe driving down the street, maybe in an interaction at the grocery store, and you see them acting in a very unchristlike manner. Is your first reaction condemnation? 
criticism, a cry of, of judgment towards that person, or is it one of grace, love, and relationship? See, this week um, we had a meeting with some leaders, and, and Pastor Jason said that in order to live our mission, and our mission is to relationally love people to Christ-centered wholeness, in order to live that out, we have to be willing to be relational more than we are willing to be right. Because that transition from law to grace happens when we're willing to be relational with those who are near to God and those who are far from God. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, not knowledgeable about God's word. I'm not saying that, you know, we don't need to have a clear and a correct understanding and help people understand God's word. What I am saying, though, is that we shouldn't allow our law to trump God's grace. And I know many people who have sat in church for years, decades, who have their law and want people to conform to their law and not God's grace. And that was the point of Paul writing to the Galatian church. Because there was a bunch of people called the Judaizers who were people sitting there saying, hey, if you're going to believe in this Jesus, but you're not Jewish, you need to first become Jewish and then become a Christ follower. And Paul looked and wrote, no, 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 no. You guys are trying to bring the law into God's grace. Instead, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not abolish the law, to fulfill the law through his grace. And that's how Paul went from knowing a lot about God to knowing fully about God. I have a picture I want to show you guys real quick. This first picture, you, you can see, if you look at it long enough, you become pretty knowledgeable about it. Okay, it looks like it's a, it's a cave, kind of with maybe a, a skylight thing, shining on like a really cool looking like mud hut inside this really neat looking cave. You can look at this and probably not very long study it and be like, ooh, I get this picture. I know a lot about this picture. And then I can show you what this picture really is all about. And all of a sudden you go from knowing to knowing fully. To seeing that this is actually just a really cool sculpture that someone carved out of a couple books. And all of a sudden you go, oh, I was totally wrong. I knew a lot about this picture. I spent even a couple seconds studying it. But now I went from knowing to knowing fully. This is what happened to Paul and what needs to happen to every single Christ follower on the planet. We need to be able to go from knowing about God to knowing him fully through relationship. Through a relationship God, with God that's based on grace because that grace brings freedom from oppression, bondage of sin, and stuff that separates us from God. And I want to encourage you today that if that's you, and I would dare say if you're the first person up here and goes, well, that's not me, good, whew, good thing, that's not me, that you would take a little closer look at yourself and say, God, where is law ruling me and grace is not having a place in my life? I would ask you to not spend time this morning, but spend time throughout this week. That's why I put scripture verses in the connection guide this week for you to dig just a little bit deeper 
into Scripture to ask God, God, where does the law need to be fulfilled in me through your grace? God, where am I really knowing, but I'm not knowing fully? Only he can show you where that is. And, I, and understand, friends, this is not just for people who, who don't know God as their personal Savior. This is for those of you and I who have sat in church for, for 20 years and heard this over and over again and yet have become more about law than about grace. More about just knowing about God than knowing God fully. And so next week, when we jump into chapter 1 and we start unpacking the context of Galatians and how it, how it fits in our life and how it's meant to change so that we too can not just have one conversion experience, but we can continue to grow in the grace and love of Jesus. I pray you would spend this week saying, God, I'm an open book. Show me where law needs to be changed to grace. Show me where my knowledge needs to become knowing fully. Let's pray.